This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, and it is October 18th, 2023. And on the show today, of course, we have Arusha Paris, who joins us every week. He is a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors. How are you doing, Arusha? I'm, I'm doing well. Wish, wish the, the market was a little bit better, but hang in there. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's been a tough one, but we've got someone to help us make sense of it, uh, especially on different time frames, and that's Brian Shannon. We're going to welcome him back to the show. I should say Brian Shannon CMT. Can't forget those letters. I mean, I dropped him off of Arusha because yeah, uh, for every those week, yeah. yeah, for those that were uh, on IBD Live today, you know, you you, you saw Scott St. Clair bash bash Arusha's CMT a little bit, but Brian Shannon has a real CMT. So uh, <laughs> welcome back to the show, Brian. Of course, he's the founder of Alpha yeah. Trends and also the author of his latest book, it's Anchored VWAP, uh, all about how he uses that important tool, maximum trading gains with Anchored VWAP, how he uses that important tool to be on the right side of trades. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Good to be back. You know, uh, Arusha, so a friend of mine was just telling me he was calling this the Roberta Flack market. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean by that? He says, it's just killing me softly. So I said, you better, I'm going to steal that and tweet it if you don't. He said, go ahead and take it. So I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I thought sounds that was like a, a good way that he guy, described Brian. it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a really smart guy. Yeah, well, Maybe his CMT is not as, not as good as yours, but something <laughs> smart guy. Yeah, so um, very good. Anyway, let's. Uh, what we're, we're going to do today is we're going to talk, of course, about the markets, but we're also going to talk a little little bit about this concept of how to get your time frame uh, moving average lines, the moving average lines consistent over different time frames. So Brian Shannon is going to kind of walk us through and show us some examples of that. And then, of course, we're going to see some of the stocks that are on Brian's radar. So uh, just starting out, you know, we could probably take a look at the NASDAQ composite. And man, that 50 day moving average line is just, you know, it's it's just a wall that seems like uh, the the Nasdaq can't can't climb over. What do you think, Brian? We're in a uh, difficult position here. Obviously, yeah, the fifty day moving average, and uh, you know we've got a down. It, it's declining. That's the main concern for me. Um, but if you look at where we were fifty days ago, we're going to start start dropping off days where the price was lower. So we're going to start to see that uh, come more into balance. It, it's really all about earnings season here, I think. We've got a lot of, uh, well, it can't be just about earnings season because we've still got, you know, today the headline was 8% uh, mortgage rates for the first time in who knows how long. Uh, we've got, you know, what's going on overseas in Israel. And now we've just kicked off earnings season, basically, you know, last Friday. And uh, just all these cross currents make it, uh, you know, again, that Roberta Flack uh, market, or you've got to just be very um, aware of risk, even more so. And, and risk management is always what we're looking at, but we've got a heightened state of risk right now is the way I see it. So that means, you know, I, it's tough to find the direction with conviction uh, mm -hmm. for the market. There's always going to be the, the individual stocks that buck the trend, but those are even harder to find right now. So uh, I'm just looking at it kind of going slow. We're supposedly in a um, seasonal uh, strength period of time. That's maybe here, maybe not. Uh, so it, it, I think it's going to be a stock by stock basis based on these earnings reports. Right. Yeah. And, and so Brian, for support, uh, in addition to kind of that 13,000 area, do you see any other kind of levels uh, have have you noticed any other levels, uh, maybe like on the the daily time frames with the even just with the anchored uh, VWAP? You know, the thing is, I should have pulled this up. I don't really typically look at the the composite. I look at the Nasdaq 100, the Qs, because I can okay. trade them. Yeah. Um, and I think that you've got to look at the anchor from the March low, okay. which we had found buyers at uh, perfectly last month in the nasdaq composite and that's down at you know third you know like you said thirteen thousand. um so below that we've got the 200 day moving average which is right at the year to date anchored vwap which shouldn't be much as a, a surprise because today was the 200th day the market was open this year um, and those come in at about 12 7. i could see us heading down there right now the pattern on the daily time frame is lower highs and lower lows since that summer high we had the 
the September high, and then we've had the uh, October high, which is lower than the preceding two. So uh, those levels are where I would look to say if we get down there, there's likely to be some buyers that could be strong enough to provide support. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, what are you looking at in terms of, hey, maybe this market uh, is is turning around, maybe it's got some legs behind it. Um, are you using the NASDAQ or the Qs? Um, one of the things that's been a little bit tough is they've been a little bit, um, I guess, off in terms of showing you what's happening with most of the market just because of the breadth, uh, you know, the the, right. the Magnificent Seven, of course, is what a lot of people have been talking about most of this year, uh, kind of making the indexes look a little bit stronger than what most of the stocks that you might be buying are, are doing, unless you're only buying those those uh, those few stocks. So are there any levels that you're looking at on the indexes themselves, or is that more of a bottoms up approach for you looking at the stocks to see if there's more more things coming out? Yeah, for the individual stocks, it's always about the stocks first. And then the market will give me my level of conviction to implement it. So right now, if I see an idea, I'm not thrilled about this market. So uh, if I'm taking a long trade, then it's going to be with maybe a half a risk unit or you know even a third of a risk unit. The, the, the bigger concern really is that the semiconductors, which obviously is, you know, tend to lead the NASDAQ itself, the NASDAQ 100, the Qs, um, they're breaking down a little bit harder than the NASDAQ itself. And if they can't recover first, then they be could become a drag on the market. And that could be the catalyst, th those guys breaking down to get this uh, NASDAQ down towards that 1300 level or 13,000 rather, and then that 12,700. These SMH is what I look at. We're at 145 now, and you know the year-to-date anchor is down at 136. And again, that's where the 200-day moving average is as well. Mm -hmm. So, should you say semiconductors or semiconductor? <laughs> Meaning <laughs> Nvidia. That's where the market isn't there only one that matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously, and that, that's exactly why I prefer a bottoms-up approach because. If you're in Nvidia, it doesn't really, and, and it's going up. It doesn't matter. So I, I was just talking about this today. The biotechs, you know, the XBI, they hit another new low for the year uh, today. What's one of the biggest biotech stocks you know? Quick, is, Amgen. Is Amgen. And look at mm -hmm. that. Look at Amgen stock. We're we're just off of year highs. We're three days off of annual highs here, while the semiconductor. I'm sorry, while the biotechs are crashing down. So. You know, that wasn't a setup question. I and mean, then you, you had the right answer because that's what everyone <laughs> thinks, right? It's Amgen. Um, so how can Amgen be almost at a new all-time? Is that an, even an almost all-time high where the biotechs are, you know, down whatever percent they are year to date and at their lows for the year? Right. Um, any other areas that you're looking at in particular just for that gauge of of market strength? I mean, I've, I've been looking at software a lot. I mean, IGV. Uh, is the software ETF that I follow. And I mean, that's got Adobe in there, Microsoft, mm -hmm. um, you know, some some big ones that are really making that look a little bit stronger compared to a lot of other areas. But um, anything on the strength side that you've been paying attention to? I kind of look mainly at just like what I consider the 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 major ones, the, you know, the Russell 2000, which obviously continues to be just awful. Um, the biotechs, the semiconductors, the banks are looking ready to roll over. They ran into the 200-day moving average from underneath, and they are really kind of on the edge of rolling over. Uh, the KRE, which is the regional banks, you know, they made that low. What was it? Um, I don't know, five, six months ago. Back in uh, May. Yeah, back, back in May. May yeah. yeah. And, and for a while, it looked like we were getting a pretty good recovery there, but we had a decline in 200-day moving average that entire time, and we saw a great bounce. I mean, they went from 35 to 49, right. but that's still a bear market rally in my mind mm -hmm. because of the declining 200-day moving average. Well, the thing there is we just bumped up against the 50-day moving average, which is declining yesterday, and now we're trapped for the last three weeks below the anchored VWAP from that May low, meaning the average long participant from there on balance is now losing money. The average short who's going back and pressing this saying, hey, we can crush these because they're still junk. They're gaining confidence. And that, I think the KRE, 
that rolls over first, drags the XLF with it. And then, you know, that's a bigger problem for the S&P. But then you've got the energy names that are holding <laughs> the, the S&P up. So <laughs> when you look at all those, you know, cross currents and dig down deep into it, it you've, you've got to be more of a stock picker and just be aware of those and what's shaping the psychology and the headlines. Uh, that's the only way I can make any sanity uh, of it and, and more important, make any money from it. Because anytime I try to bet a macro opinion, then I lose money. Mm-hmm. And speaking of bear market rallies, you know, some of the, the things that the, the bears are saying is that even the NASDAQ uh, could be this could be a one big bear market rally since it was up, I don't know, what, 45, 45, probably around 45 percent off the lows, maybe a little bit more. Um, what, 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 do you, what do you think about that? Like, was this a, a more of a bear market rally inst- instead of a maybe potential beginning of a, a new bull market? I, you know, I don't really look at it that way. Truthfully, I, I kind of, I, I look at it and say, you know, we have been in a bullish environment for most of the last year. And if I want to put a label on this and call it a bear market rally, what am I doing that for? Just to sound smart, you yes. know, because in, 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 really we like to label things, right? Yeah, <laughs> it actually sounds kind of stupid when, it, you know, when the, when the NAS, when the queues go from 270 to 370 and you're saying this is just a bear market rally. Okay. I wasn't supposed to participate in that 35, 40% right. rally. That's mm. just stupid. So I, I, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't get those. I, I try not to get hung up on labels. To me, it's about, you know, my time frame and, and my time frame has nothing to do with a year, two years. Is this a super site? Is this Kondratiev wave? If you really want to sound like you sound smart, there you go. <laughs> sound like you sound smart, not sound smart. Be smart. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you don't use Roberta Flack in a, uh, as a label for the market <laughs> rallies or market yeah. environment. That sounds so old school. <laughs> well, so now, you, you you kind of mentioned on the long side. You kind of threw that in. You uh, have you been playing much on the short side here? Um, I, I have been, but I always I I, I think that and, and this is such a common theme I hear from people who've been successful in the market. I mean, even uh, Stanley Druckenmiller said recently, you know, on balance, I think I've lost money trading short. And this mm-hmm. is the guy who broke the Bank of England, right, by shorting the pound. But he says, on balance, I've lost money. That's his defining trade. I kind of doubt that that's true for him with that trade in there. He had to have a lot of small losses um, and some big ones, too, to erase that trade. But mm. it, it's just much more difficult. And, and for me, it's unnatural. I prefer to go long. Um, but I don't want to go long. The stocks that are declining and try to buck the trend and try to be the hero. Um, that's how I've lost the most money in my life is, you know, going counter to the trend. Um, but but there's been just kind of some, you know, singles and doubles on the short side. Um, like I said, I'm looking at uh, the KRE is potentially rolling over. I think eBay right now kind of looks like, you know, if it can get a little bit of a rally tomorrow, I'm ready to short that one on weakness. So they're out there, but I trade them much uh, less aggressively than the long side. Mm hmm. Now, uh, you also mentioned kind of on the macro side, how that's not something that you typically are looking at. Uh, You're really looking at the stock charts themselves. But on the macro side, of course, you mentioned it earlier, you know, uh, interest rates, you know, the mortgage rate being up, you know, over 8%, 10 year treasury. um, I mean, that just, you know, that that, that's on the verge of hitting 5%. Uh, it's it's just been one of those things that has really put a lot of pressure on growth stocks. Um, you know, is, is that something that you're trying to profit from? Is it something that you're noting? Uh, or is it something that doesn't make that much of a difference to you at the end of the day? Um, there's a phrase out there, something like, it, it only matters when it matters. Uh, that, you know, people have been talking about rising interest rates for the last you know, nine months maybe. But mm-hmm. meanwhile, what has the market done for up till maybe, you know, two months ago? It had been rallying in the face of those declining rates. So that's why I always say only price pays. It's 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 t- it's it's difficult to really just get that out of your mind, that narrative out of your mind. Um, I, I did a little experiment with myself recently and I said, let you know, maybe I'm gonna buy a stock for the long term. And I said, well, what I'll do is I'll just kind of track it as if I bought it for the long term. 
And it, it was a company that I su should supposedly believe in, which is Generac. Um, we've mm -hmm. got, you know, grid failures all over, oh, you know, fires, terrorists, whatever. You've got hurricanes, you've got floods, you've got all kinds of things. And people are buying these things and they're great. And I looked at it and said, well, it kind of looks like it's making a bottom here. Or, you know, maybe that was the V bottom. And I said, well, I'm going to track it as if because I, I just can't convince myself just to buy it because it's down a lot. And to, you know, the last week and a half, we're approaching those year lows once again. And I'm looking at going, that's why I'm not an investor. I Even <laughs> with a bigger rally, the, even with a rally from 100 to 150, I, I probably would have figured out a, you know, if I was still holding it, well, I'd be down money right now at mm -hmm. $95. So I, I look at it and I, I did that. I've done that also with kind of like with PayPal. I remember fighting with people on Twitter when it was first breaking down. Yeah. Well, they were fighting with me because I was saying, listen, it's in a downturn. They're like, well, you don't understand that company. Here's what they do. And here's why yeah. I'm buying it for the five year. It's like, well, it's in a downturn. I, you know, do, do whatever feels best for you. Um, but that one continues to hit new all-time lows, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. day, a day or two away from an all-time low, down from 300 to 55. And these were, you know, people arguing with me at 240, 180, 110. And it just, I, I, I just, you see enough of those. And I just can't convince myself that, that buy and hold and investing is such a thing, not for my psychology. And that's the key. It's understanding you yourself, your psychology and your time frame. And that it just doesn't fit for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I mean, if you if you're going to hold longer in a in a PayPal and things like that, and I and I I have seen a lot of very smart people ride PayPal down this whole time. Um, it uh, you have to play a lot smaller then, right? You have to adjust for that. You can't have a double digit position here near and and ride that down or because that's going to leave a big mark you, you're going to have to have like a a one or two percent position because then at least if it keeps going down or if you round trip everything you're going to be able to survive because hopefully you have some others that that have been going up for much longer uh than that the thing is for me arusha you know maybe i'm too hard on myself but i just feel stupid if i yeah. round trip it like that i mean even even in yeah. a swing trade you know i i just bought this uh rpd at 50 bucks a share and you know if i it, it's up at 52 and a half ish if if that went if so i've taken two thirds off already and i'm holding the balance with a for me a wider stop but if that went back to 50 and i was still holding it i would i would really think i'm the biggest idiot in the world for letting that happen no, it's, it's only a five percent rally but still if you position <laughs> size it right and look at the market that we're in and say well am i better off making this you know maybe on average 3.6 percent or am i better off you know keeping watching these things cut back underneath where i bought them give up that gain feel stupid and then sell it at a loss mm -hmm. yeah the mark the market yeah, I'm the market's always <laughs> making me feel stupid. Uh, but the, the <laughs> I, I mean, I think the big thing is as long as you're making money, right? And as long as you're kind of slowly progressing, that's the and learning from your mistakes, too. Where and I think Brian's bringing up a really good point, he's learned himself how he reacts to stock movements in markets and really kind of catered all the rules and his system toward to fit his personality. Yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. One last question here uh, before we kind of wrap up this segment. And, you know, if we kind of look at Generac, you know, one of the things that, you know, I mean, Generac got destroyed at its last earnings. I mean, down 25 percent. And yeah. there were so many examples of that this last earnings um, last earnings season. So here we are faced with another earnings season. Um, again, there were there were either it seemed like you were either up 15, 20 percent or you were down 15, 20 percent last earnings season. How How do you approach earnings? I'm a big chicken. I mean, if I have a stock that I'm holding and the, I know they're due to report earnings tomorrow, I will generally cut it entirely. If I have a pretty good cushion in it, then I might hold a third or a quarter just to satisfy the gambling nature in me. And in, I sometimes even hope they'll gap down just to teach me not to do it on a smaller <laughs> piece um, uh, for trading you know, with my greed rather than what I know is what I typically do. So I, I don't try to guess earnings. Uh, I don't try to hold prior to them and go for the big home run trade. That's, 
I'm too old for that stuff. Yeah, I hear. I've you. been burned too many times. I mean, <laughs> you can only take, you know, get the left hook so many times before you learn to duck to the right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or just sometimes not step into that ring. Huh? Yeah. Uh, very good. Well, when we come back, we're going to take a look at how Brian uses multiple time frames and keeps his moving average lines consistent through those time frames. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Apple, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Paris, who joins me every week. Uh, I should say Arusha Paris, CMT. I'm going to go ahead and have the have the letters there for you. Thank you. Um, Thanks, Brian, a... <laughs> for being here and you know, forcing him to. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, our special guest this week is Brian Shannon. He is the founder of Alpha Trends and also uh, the author of a few books. But the latest, of course, is Maximum Trading Gains with Anchored VWAP. I'll do another uh, picture picture here for everyone to see that. Um, so it's a. Uh, the latest book that he has and a lot of great information in there. Um, we're actually going to have uh, Brian show some of the charts that he uses because the anchored VWAP is so important to him. Of course, that's the volume weighted average price. Um, and as he's talking about his different time frames that he looks at, uh, we'll also kind of get his his thoughts on that. So, Brian, um, start. Let's just start out. You know, you 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 mentioned we were looking at daily charts. Mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite time frame to look at? Or do you have a favorite? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a favorite, really. It's it's kind of all of them. I've, you love I've all your children the same, huh? I, well, it's it's <laughs> it's kind of, you know, I described this once, I think it was with Richard Moglin, that I he, he asked kind of the same question. And I said, that's kind of like asking Van Gogh what's your favorite color to paint with. And mm -hmm. he would probably say, you know, I don't have a blue canvas somewhere. It's it's I use them all. It's how about how they weave together. And we look at, you know, uh, one time frame or just even all the time frames. It's the science of technical analysis. But then it's the art of interpretation and how they blend together so that we can reference that shorter term time frame, see how it fits in with the longer term time frame, and try to anticipate what's going on. So it's really a combination of how they weave and flow together mm -hmm. yeah so now you're moving average lines i mean we we've talked a lot about the 50 day you mentioned the 200 day moving average line yep. but a lot of times for your uh trades and a lot of a lot of times you're doing these swing trades uh the five day moving average line seems to be kind of your your go-to moving average is that is that right or do you have others uh that you're weaving a pallet with there too well, I'm kind of weaving the palette there. So I'm, I'm interested in the 20 day moving average. I'm interested in the 50 day. Um, I just, I generally want to trade in the direction of those. I, I want them, you know, if they're, if they're both rising and we're above the, uh, the markets or the stock is above those, then I want to give the benefit of the doubt to the buyers uh, and ideally the 200 as well. Uh, but when it comes down to entries, I guess those would kind of be my favorite timeframes would be maybe a 30 minute time frame or a 15 minute time frame. So I can get a feel for what are the timeframes that I'm typically trading that, you know, if my swing trade is anywhere two to three days up to a couple of weeks, I'm going to see those on that 30 minute time frame on that 50 minute or 15 minute or, you know, 65 minute time frame. Those allow me to see the key levels and that's where I look at the five-day moving average. To me, I've got a cardinal rule, which is if the five-day moving average is declining, I just am not going to buy it. If it's advancing, I, I simply will not sell short. I'll wait. And that has saved me more money than anything that I have done in my career I, as far as you know, getting the proper entries. And the proper entry to me is where can I get involved with confidence and get as big a position size as I'm comfortable with relative to where I perceive the reward, uh, the risk rather. Um, so those shorter term timeframes are what gives me that confidence. Mm -hmm. And just so folks know, just again, kind of your trading style, um, what, what is kind of your position size sweet spot? Do you, um, are you a lot of positions or are you much more concentrated? How, how high do you get, get that? It tends to be a lot more concentrated simply because if I, if I'm not concentrated, then I just tend to have 
large piles of cash in my account sitting there mm -hmm. doing nothing. Um, so with my time frame, there's a lot of turnover and that doesn't give me a lot of time to, you know, hold, um, things that are, that aren't work. If they're, if they stop working on a shorter term time frame, I get out. So a lot of times I'll be very cash heavy as I am right now. And, um, uh, it's each stock on its own merits. I never think, well, I should, I have to be at least 60% invested because of this interest rate or whatever. It's always about stocks on their own merits. And I, I even still, I struggle with being large enough um, relative to the size of the account simply, you know, because of liquidity issues sometimes, but I try to stick to stocks that trade at least a half a million shares a day. Um, and then just comfort level, truthfully. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So Brian, you, you have the sixty-five minute chart here. So yeah. So so walk us through this, and you have the SMH, Sean. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. What walk us through kind of example of how you'll use a number of different time frames um, to to uh, to analyze a, a stock or ETF. Sure. Let, let's look first just at this 65 minute because we're here. And just a quick reminder for people who aren't familiar with this. Why do I use a 65 rather than a 60? 60, there's 390 minutes per trading day. If you divide that by six, it's 65. 65 times 60 is 390. If we were looking at 60 minute candles, it would be 930 to 10 is one candle and then a one hour. So one half hour candle and six one-hour candles. Well, anytime you put a moving average, a stochastic, whatever it is, you're giving twice as much weight to that first period of the day, which doesn't really, that's that's too arbitrary. We're not really comparing apples to apples. So with what I'm looking for is what I what I really want to find is, you know, when it's below this declining five-day moving average, that's when I have a short bias or I won't trade long. So right now, we just we dipped below the five day moving average, but it was still rising. That's kind of like a yellow light. It gets trapped below it and makes a lower low. That right there, the, the light turned red on the semiconductors for me right there. Now back to here, we were below this declining five day moving average. It tried to get going, but it didn't break resistance as well. So had it broken that resistance, that would have dragged that five day moving average higher. I would have wanted to be long here with a stop under there. Instead, it broke down, made lower highs and lower lows. The five-day moving average was still declining. I wasn't going to be a buyer here so in, in a, because it had gone too far too fast. And instead, I would want to be a buyer somewhere over here maybe with a stop under that and then raise my stop underneath these successive higher lows and be stopped out maybe right there. And then, so, so that's how I use the five-day moving average. So on this 65-minute Time frame, as you see up here, it says moving average is 30. The 30 period. So what that means is it's the 30 period moving average. So again, right. 390 minutes in a day times five days is 1,950 minutes over the course of five days. So while you know, I, I never look at the five day moving average on the daily chart because if we look at it, let's say two hours into the day, what we're actually looking at is the average of the last four days plus two hours. I always right. wanted I always want to know that the true five days. So this dot right here, and, and I uh, on, on most of the time I have that actually as a, uh, a dotted line uh, like this. What that does is that shows me where we were 30 periods ago. So when I what that allows me to do is to start to anticipate. So I look at this and say, well, tomorrow we're going to get rid of this data from five days ago. So that means the market would have to be way up here for that five-day moving average to turn higher. And how mm -hmm. likely is that? And if that did happen, would I want to buy it at 151 after it just closed at 146? Not likely. Not when we have this pattern of lower highs mm -hmm. and lower lows as well. So it all mm -hmm. fits into that. Um, so going back to the calculation, 30 of these 65-minute uh, periods is how many we have in five days. Because again, there's six of them per day, five days. So that's the 30 period moving average. If we switch, if we cut our time frame down to a 30 minute time frame, let me just clean some of that stuff up. Um, we can, again, I'll just get rid of that anchor as well. Um, here's the same thing. And you'll see that that moving average is in the same exact spot 
as it is over here on that 65 minute time frame. So in order to do that, what we're looking at is how many, we take 1,950 minutes that there are in five trading days and divide that by the time period we're looking at. So we're looking at a, a 30 minute period. So how many 30 minute periods are in 1,950 minutes? And that answer is 65, just the opposite of what we were just looking at. Now, if I want to get a little bit more detailed and go down to a 15 minute time frame, we've got to do another adjustment because now we're looking at this and saying, how many of those? Well, let's do a 10 minute time frame just because it's simpler math. Again, 1950 minutes. Mm -hmm. If the time frame is 10 minutes, then this five day moving average here you'll see is the 195 period. Mm -hmm. 195 times 10 is 1950 minutes. That's the true five days. If we're looking at daily time frame, it would only be uh, a true five days at the end of the day. So I want to try to anticipate what how this five day moving average turns. So then I start to like look at this in my, you know, uh, the way I look at this is I start to try to anticipate what's going to make this move. So what might be the next way that we get a move higher? Well, maybe the five day moving average does this while the stock you know, semis maybe do that, come down like this. And then in four or five days, then we'd be getting rid of this data, let's say on that day. So I'd be a little hesitant because later in the day, we're getting rid of that, which means the five-day moving average would decline. So maybe it does this, and then I would want to be a buyer right here with a stop under one of these higher lows is the way that I want to look for the next potential upcycle. But then going back to multiple timeframes, does that look realistic on the daily timeframe? Or... Because right now, here's the anchor from this recent low. We're below that. We've got a declining 50-day moving average. We've got a flat 20-day moving average. The 200 and the year-to-date are down there. So again, it's 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 about how they all weave together and what's most realistic. So I can't just say this is my most important time frame. These become the more important time frames when it's time to execute the trade. But to find the big picture to make sure I'm on the right side of, of the, uh, you know, the, the bigger trend, then I've got to look, understand those first to come down here where I can say, well, it's below the declining five day moving average. It can reverse suddenly like it did here, but it's not the way it typically works. So mm -hmm. if we go to 130 minute time frame, and this is kind of uh, a little bit dorky maybe because here I've got a 5, 10, and 20-day moving average and I've done the same math. So there's three candles per day on a 130-minute. Uh, so this 20-day moving average is actually 60 periods. Okay. So um, so I've got the 5, 10, and 20 over there. And that's kind of, now I'm looking at this thinking, well, shoot, you know, he's got these lower highs and these lower lows is this thing ready for a bigger breakdown? Maybe, you know, the people who are still waiting for this gap to get filled before they buy, maybe they're going to get their chance over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, just very quickly, for those who are listening to the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say the you, same thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> if you want to go to investors.com slash podcast uh, yeah. to see this. I, I mean, I, I think it's just really amazing how Brian just weaves all of the moving averages, all the different timeframes and the price action together to really get a health of a stock. I mean, it, it, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And I have to say, like, when when you, you know, two things. When when you made your case for the 65 minute, again, mm -hmm. just, you know, hey, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to have something weighted arbitrarily. I It was like one of those aha moments, like, oh, of course, of course, that's the right way to do it. And in the same way, you know, as, as you, you know, kind of introduced, um, you know, between the podcast and IBD Live and, you know, reading your book, you know, when you introduced, hey, you know, here's, here's how to change these timeframes. And, you know, for those of you that don't want to do the math, you know, Brian Shannon does the math for you in his book, he puts it in the appendix on page 208, you know, here's, here's how to set up the five day. But yeah, you just, you just, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to to keep things even. And so where, as you're saying, you know, at the beginning of the day, you're not putting, you know, too much weight on the first couple hours or, or what have you. It, it just was something that, 
yeah, it, it just it just really clicked into place for me when you when you introduced this. And again, I, I I agree. I like the way that you know, for for folks that are watching this video, there's a lot that can be learned from how you are weaving uh, weaving a story kind of yeah. of what yeah. is potentially could happen, what's likely to happen, and um, you know those moving averages are are really you know critical in kind of filling in those details. Um, so. You know, with with the five day moving average line um, being being a, a critical part of your entry system, I mean, are you finding many things above their five day moving average line, and you know, or, or holding above their five day moving average line? It seems like we've been really not holding the five day line for very long in a lot of these in a lot of these individual stocks. Yeah, and that's the market telling me that you know don't hold longer term because we're seeing greater turnover and that's forming this picture on the semis of lower highs and lower lows and that is the definition of a downtrend on you know on this time frame we go up against the semiconductors on the weekly time frame it's hard to argue that's a downtrend mm -hmm. so back to what we started the podcast with which is you know what do you consider a is is, is this a a, a bear rally in a or a, 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 I'm sorry bullish rally in a bear market I don't think in those time frames it's, it's there's no there's no money to be made thinking like that and I think there's a lot of wasted breath and words written in uh, blog posts and wherever about these arbitrary things that don't help you make money um, but back to Justin real quick if I can about you know how you said that was an aha moment um, and, and and that's awesome. I, I think it's the, the way I've described it before that makes sense to people is if you're going to build a house and you had a yardstick and on that yardstick, you had to make all your measurements and all you had was feet and or maybe even feet and inches, but you couldn't get that eighth of an inch, 16th of an inch increment mm -hmm. to make sure that refrigerator fits in there or that cabinet fits here and there. You just can't get that same type of detail and accuracy. And that's what it all comes down to is accuracy and making sure you're not weighing one thing more heavily than it should be um, and, and putting an equal weight across price data, which should be equalized. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Brian, this, uh, yeah, this is a lot of different timeframes to go through just for one ETF. It's how do you take it from looking at a universe of stocks or ETFs and narrow it down so now you identify the one stock that you really should drill down into and spend a lot more time. I do it kind of like this. Okay. So I, you know, up here I have the weekly, there's the daily on the upper right, 30 minute, 15 minute. Um, I've got another one over on the side that you can't see with five minutes and with two minutes. And I, my process is to kind of just go through them like this, uh, you know, and one at a time, click through them so I can look at Apple and say, hey, it's holding its 200 day moving average, but it's below the 50. There's time frame confusion. I don't really want anything to do with it for the okay. long term, definitely. Yep. But when we look over here at this 65 minute chart, I mean, those are beautiful moves, right? This mm -hmm. is below it, above it. And, you know, that's the perfect time to get out is over here. You're avoiding this maybe got long there and participate in that. Those are the move, excuse me, coming over, uh, getting over a cold. Uh, those are the moves that, you know, that I'm looking for and trying to make sense of it. And, and so when I look at my screen, it's not just one time frame at a time. I see them all at once. It's like a, a pilot has his altimeter mm -hmm. and whatever else he has there. I, I'm not a pilot, so maybe I shouldn't <laughs> use that example because <laughs> I don't know what they're looking at. Uh, but 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 certainly when when you first start driving, you know, looking at all those things can be a little bit intimidating. But you get used to okay. I've got to check my I've got to check my rear view mirror. I've got to check my side view mirror. I got to check my speed and you know. All yeah, and, and you know you generally know how much gas you have right. unless you're a teenager who never looks at it. And you run out and call <laughs> your parents. Yeah. Um, but you know that you don't have to keep looking at your gas gauge because yeah. you remember you filled it a couple of days ago. You know how much you've uh, driven. To me, that's the weekly time frame. Uh -huh. I don't look at that. I might look more closely at the tachometer and say, hey, it's time to shift. Um, mm -hmm. We're getting up into the red zone and I'm feeling the power too. So that that's where you know, 
you've got to decide <clears throat> what time frame you are and what's important to you personally. Yeah. And, you know, as you see that kind of, again, for those of you that weren't watching the video, he's got, you know, a, a four pack basically of charts. And it's amazing how, how easy it sometimes is. You know, if every chart looks like it's in a downtrend, I mean, that kind of tells you something. And that, you know, you're looking at all the, all the charts for the same stock. And if all the different timeframes are showing in a downtrend, yeah, why would you want to be <laughs> in, in, involved in that? Yeah. Um, it, it just becomes very clear. Um, so, uh, hey, thanks a lot for for sharing this kind of uh, insight. Uh, again, I think it's a, a very simple concept, but not one that necessarily uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, talk about that much in terms of how you split split up the day and how you split things up to, you know, make those moving average lines uh, equal and, and everything. So really appreciate you sharing that. And uh, thanks a lot for everything that you've done in terms of the book and, uh, you know, everything that you've done by sharing that knowledge with us on the podcast and IBD Live and everywhere else. So, Happy to. Always. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we're not done with you yet because when we come back, we're going to take a look at some of the stocks that might be setting up and maybe how some of these scenarios could play out. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla. Sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. We're back. It's the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host here, along with Arusha Pires, who joins me every week. And our special guest this week is Brian Shannon, who was just kind of going through a lot of the uh, the ways that he looks at different timeframes um, and different moving average lines, keeps things, keeps things consistent. Um, so, of course, uh, Brian Shannon is the founder of alphatrends.net and also an author of a number of books about using multiple timeframes and also anchored volume weighted average price uh, indicators to do your trading. So uh, let's let's get into it, Brian. Uh, yeah. What are some of the stocks that you have kind of on your radar right now? And again, right now, it might not be that you're uh, getting that heavily invested, but maybe you're seeing some stocks set up. Uh, what, what do you got for us? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that we started out with the look at the market and we've got a lot of cross currents here. Um, so I'm taking each stock based on its own merits. And one I've tweeted about the last couple of days is RPD Rapid 7. And that one I had posted and gotten long there at $50 per share. Um, it was, you know, just coming out of a little bit of a consolidation on a shorter term time frame, very similar to what we just spoke about. If you look at the 15 minute time frame there, you'll see that uh, three days ago is where I purchased it. So on Monday and we had come off of basically two days of profit taking off to that after that previous run from 43 to 51 and then purchased it at 50. I took a third off the first day at $50 and 70 cents and it's never that I'm trying to make 70 cents necessarily on that trade, but when it, my, what I like to do is I, I, I think that the best thing I do is my accuracy of entries. Mm -hmm. So I go in heavier than I really should, you know, responsibly go into. So I have a sense of, we all have that sense of nervousness when we first buy the trade stock saying, you know, what if I'm wrong? Where, where's my stop? And I've got that. Um, but I'll, I'll go in heavy and if it starts to work quickly for me, I'll peel some off real quickly. So that first peel off came at 70 cents higher. That just allows me to breathe a little bit better, puts me in a position of strength. Now, instead of owning it at $50 per share, um, you could look at it as I own it at $49.65 per share uh, adjusted on the two-thirds balance I have. Mm -hmm. So that just allows me to breathe easier in it and hopefully raise my stop on the balance to break even or somewhere near there. Maybe, you know, like $49.86, I think is where I might have had one initially. Mm -hmm. Today, the stock broke out. So if it, and when I say broke out, it breached the high on the daily time frame there from april 21st you see that on the chart it says uh 52 dollars and 46 48 cents mm -hmm. so i looked at that and i said well it's up five percent and this is what a lot of people call a breakout because it breached the highs that it's on august september the high in march i'm sorry may april and that uh that one in april most important 
know, the next high up to that is 5561. So that's pretty far away from there. That's another 5% higher. So I look at it and say, you know, we've got a kind of a crummy market. Um, a lot of stocks aren't following through. So if I sell some on the breakout, think about the psychology of who buys the breakout. There, you know, a lot of people complain, hey, breakouts don't work anymore. And people have been complaining about that for years. And that means you've got to look a little bit deeper and get involved when the momentum starts, not when that first breakout necessarily occurs. I generally want to feed some out there for a couple of things. One is ego. I, I've noticed a lot of times it fails and then people start complaining that it broke out and I'm sitting there going, ha you bought some for me. <laughs> it, it, it failed because of me. I was selling into it. <laughs> not because of me. But, uh, I was trying to feed your ego a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. But it does feel good, truthfully, yeah. to sell some on the breakout when you see social media start lighting up about the stock. And, you, you know, that it's, it's hard to separate that emotion for a lot of people. They're like, hey, more people are talking about it. They're seeing what I'm seeing. This must be a good one. I'm going to buy extra. And instead, you've got to think, well, what about the people who are already long there? What about the shorts? The shorts are going to try to defend that breakout. They're going to try and keep it down. So they're going to try to put a lid on it. The people who bought it, like myself, swing traders, you know, three days ago, it's up 5%. Of course, I want to ring the register a little bit and now raise the stop on the balance where I have the stop on my balance right now at 5131. That's a short term. Uh, that's the low actually uh, from yesterday afternoon, I believe. I, I don't remember where that came from, but that's that's my stop in there. So that that's how I'm looking at that one. But, it, you know, if you go to the, the weekly time frame there, Arusha, mm -hmm. you could make a case that, hey, this is the beginning of something that could be really powerful. We had that, you know, longer term distribution in late 2021, bear market in 2022. And if they didn't scare you out, they most likely wore you out as it's done nothing pretty much since March, you know, the first quarter of this year. So this could be building a big base for a much bigger rally. But I've got to take it in terms of well, what's the overall market doing? How have stocks treated me recently? And they've treated me that it's smart to take some partials off. Now mm -hmm. I've got a third left and, you know, maybe it goes to 55 and I can, you know, get stopped out on a higher low up somewhere near there. And that's fine. Um, so that's just a, you know, that's one that I'm in. Uh, but again, only a third of it left. Okay. And so, so Brian, uh, just very quickly, Joseph, uh, when, when you enter into this stock and, the, and when you were looking at it in a 15 minute time frame, are you, are you just focusing on that one stock? Once, once you have this trade, you're more concentrated on it, or can you have, or do you have a few trades that are going on and you're just setting alerts or how do you manage all those? Cause sometimes, it, you know, these things can, especially when you're looking at those shorter time frames, those decisions to be made can happen even quicker. Yeah, I, I generally have, so I, I think when I bought this on Monday, actually I was sick all last week. So that was, I wasn't a hundred percent cash. Um, so I came in and figured I, you know, I got to start the week out. Um, that was my higher conviction trade. So I, I was focused on that one and I was watching that one. But what I do with my other watch list ideas, which, you know, here's my you know list for tomorrow right here. Mm -hmm. um, I will look at those. And I will set alerts on all of those, as you just alluded to. So if I'm look, if I think the stock is, you know, that I want to buy it above fifty dollars a share, let's say, I'll set an alert at forty nine ninety. Mm -hmm. And if it triggers in the first five minutes, you know, the, the problem with that is, I often get, you know, if I set twenty alerts, I'll get twelve of them in the first five minutes. <laughs> right, right. Right. So. I'm not going to just jump around to each one. Instead, I'm going to say, well, my highest conviction trade is this rapid seven. So I'm going to put that one front and center. Um, and then I'll kind of ignore the other ones. And then once I'm into a position or two, I'll go back and look at the ones that alerted and say, either say, hey, I missed them. Or more likely, most of them have pulled back a little bit. And, you know, after that initial burst, especially on a Monday morning when everyone's excited, I, I, I've got my plan in hand. I'm ready to get after it. I know I'm right. I'm going to do everything right this week. And all the stuff I said I wouldn't do last week that I did, I'm not doing it this week. Um, so that's where, you know, you've got to stay focused and disciplined and, and focus on the highest alert, uh, you know, conviction trades. 
and then go back and say, Hey, you know what? I missed that one. And I, I, I look back and often say, I missed the best one of the group. That one went 20 minutes in the first 30 minutes. I ignored that alert. How stupid am I? And I know I'm not stupid. I mean, but you know, but you have to beat yourself up for missing a good trade like that. Um, it, but it's, so I'll go back and reset those alerts. So it might've gone from 50 to 50, 25, and it pulls back to 4980. And then I'll be thinking, well, shoot, maybe I ought to cut half of this because it, it had its opportunity first thing. And then if it goes back up again, then I'll maybe add it back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just, I, I set a lot of alerts, but I reset a lot of alerts during the mm-hmm. day as well. And a lot of the stocks that I set an alert on, I, I, I know I'm actually not going to trade that day. I just want to see how they react to a certain level. Um, it might be that they're pulling back to the anchored VWAP from the earnings report. And I'll say, well, that anchored VWAP is $49.43. So I'll set my alert at 40, uh, what did I say, 49.43. I'll set my alert at 49.50. So I always want to set my alert ahead of where I think the action is. So again, 49.90 instead of 50, because I don't want to see it go off at 50. And all of a sudden, by the time I pull it up, it's $50.37. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, kind of my process first thing in the morning. I mean, and those alerts also just, and you're, you're getting to this too, but uh, it's sort of the gauge on the market. I I know in markets, once we put alerts on, especially (laughs) alerts for breaking out today, uh, there were, there are certain times of the year or certain days where the market has been building and all of a sudden you just get hit with all these alerts from everywhere. And that's telling you, Hey, the market might be waking up here. Uh, and you definitely want to take, uh, you know, you want to take pay much more attention towards those kind of unusual uh, type of events. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Waking up, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that can also happen, and we've seen this a lot more recently, I feel like, where we've had these uh, strong starts sometimes, and man, the fade is is, is a killer. So, um, how do you how do you handle that when you have a lot of alerts that maybe go off um but the the close is not quite where you where you would like do you kind of temper your enthusiasm for the first half hour hour uh slow things down i I try my best to i mean i i i can't tell you how many times i've lost money in the first 10 minutes of the day Mm -hmm. Uh, so i really try as best i can but it's really difficult sometimes to wait 10 minutes um, because I, you know, I'm the same way. That's why I say, Hey, it's Monday. I'm going to not do the same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do the same thing too. Right. We all do. It, yeah. It's Monday morning and I've got a plan and, and I know what my mistakes were and I'm not going to make them again, but this one looks so good. I, I just got to get some of this one because I know this is the right one. And then boom, you get punched in the face again. It's like, man, mm-hmm. do you, when are you ever going to learn? Um, so, uh, I'm not sure I answered the question there, Justin. No, 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 you, you, okay. you did. It's, 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 it's one of those things that I think, again, we all have to find our, we all have to find our rhythm and, you know, sometimes the rhythm of the market, you know, if you keep on getting punched in the face in the first, you know, 30 minutes, well, yeah, then maybe you're going to be a little bit more hesitant. It's, it's a balancing act, right? You don't want to be too hesitant because this might be the one where it's, uh, it, it's the one that works, but right. at the same time, you don't want to keep on getting punched in the face, you know, yeah. unnecessarily. Well, the, the way Arusha described it is, you know, the market waking up. Right. I like that better than, you know, setting alert and, and getting 10 alerts four days after the market rallied to, to you know, the S&P rallied 2.3% in the prior four days. Well, that's not, you know, of course we can continue to add to it, but the leaders are probably up eight to 10% at that time. Mm-hmm. And those leaders are, you know, up eight to 10, 15%. They're going to most likely start to pull back a little bit. And unfortunately for most people, their confidence becomes really high after that four-day period. Their their confidence is there. Hey, things are working. This is great. Instead, they should be thinking, hey, things have been a little bit easy here lately. Let me make sure I've raised my stops up. Winners don't take care of themselves. I've got to raise my stop up, maybe take a little bit off. And just be aware that, you know, the the market boogeyman is coming to take my profits if I don't protect them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, how about the next stock? Uh, what else you got for us? Um, I like OKTA, the way that one's setting up. I'm not in it. Um, Arusha, again, if you could start maybe like with the weekly chart there. Sure. Yep. We have the weekly. Oh. <clears throat> same, 
you know, same look is that we had that brutal downtrend. Uh, and, and look, I, I mean, look at the 10 week moving average just as it broke down, how long it was trapped, just pinned under it. That's kind of crazy there in uh, early, early 2022. Mm -hmm. And then it looked like it was getting back above it in June, July, but we still had that 40 week moving average declining. That tells me don't trust those rallies. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the 50 cross the 200 in March, this is so-called uh, golden cross, golden cross, right? Well, mm -hmm. that was the high for the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> and tends to um, be a late signal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but now we just had, and, and then it crossed back below. And now just, uh, on that last earnings report, it dragged that 10 up through the, the 40 week once again. So now we've had a chance for that 40 week moving average to flatten out. The 50 day is rising above it. The 200, the 200 day or 40 week is rising. And now we've got this band of resistance up at about 90 bucks per share. The stock is 85. If it can trade up to there, for me, that's a good trade. I would love to sell that breakout. Mm -hmm. So when I look at it, you know, we've got the 10 week above the 20 week earnings aren't due for 13 days. It says here last earnings were up 410%. That's you know, those are those are good numbers. And I don't really care so much about those numbers personally, but I know that other people care about them. I know that everyone looks at a market smith chart, looks at that and says, hey, that's the type of stock I want to buy. And I know that growth fund managers look at that and say, that's a growth stock. That's a growth company. Is it a growth stock? Let's take a look. So it gives me confidence that there's a fundamental crowd behind it. So this the you know, it's the psychology of the fundamental players that give me confidence. And now when we look at it on, on my daily chart on MarketSmith, uh, I have a 20-day moving average, which we've been cradling the last week or so. And that's above the rising 50-day moving average, which is above that 200-day moving average. And again, earnings are due actually 43 days. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that was a one. Um, that's why... I, I've got glasses and I understand who Roberta Flack is. <laughs> well, and, and to, to your to your credit, sometimes there's a, you know, some things are covered, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's 43, all right. <laughs> um, so, you know, when I look at this one, that daily is setting up nice. It got a little bit of ahead of itself after that earnings, saw some profit taking. Now it's holding that 20-day moving average. The 20-day moving average is flattened out. I'm sure the 21 EMA would look just the same. On the shorter term time frame, when I go like to a 15 minute time frame, ideally it should have been purchased again on Monday, maybe at about $84 per share or so, but then it ran to 89 and it broke that prior peak at 88. And guess what happened? Same thing. Fade that breakout, sell a mm -hmm. third into that. Now from yesterday and today, we have lower highs and lower lows. So I think it probably needs two to three days to kind of set back up. I'd love to see it run to maybe like 88 again, and then pull back and make a higher low at 87. And then if it breaks 88, then I could put my stop under that higher low at 87 if that develops, because that's to me, you know, the stop goes below the most recent relevant higher low for my time frame that I'm entering mm -hmm. on. So if I'm entering here and I see the higher low at 87, if it breaks back below it, then I know it's time to get out. So that's setting up. It's not there yet. But yeah, and just quickly, Brian, uh, I'm, I and I hope a lot of the listeners are are, are seeing this. Uh, your your analysis is just very objective. There's no emotion in it, right? You're not getting excited. You're you're. It's just matter of fact. If it breaks up here, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. If it breaks down here, this is what I'm going to do. You're taking all that emotion now, and you're just kind of really kind of listening to the market and listening to the stock. I, I I've got to confess here that when you asked me just prior to this segment, what stocks do you want to look at? And I rattled off those three and you guys said, somebody likes security stocks. And I was like, are they all security stocks? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another question. It's like, yeah, what happens if you have like three stocks, you're concentrating three stocks and they're all, they're all part of the same industry group. One, I would have to recognize it. Uh, okay. So that's good. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, the good news is I'm down to a third of RPD, and that's been the leader so far. OKTA isn't there yet. It could be a couple days away. And we might as well talk about that third stock. Yeah, let's pull it that's, up. That's ZS, which is Zscaler. Hmm. And again, if you start with that weekly chart, it looks to me like we're in a stage two uptrend. We have a series, uh, you know, we just broke that level at about 160 or so. 
which is very similar to that 60 level on OKTA. This stock is, is maybe two weeks ahead of OKTA. Mm-hmm. And RPD is maybe one week ahead of OKTA. Or maybe OKTA is just saying, hey, I'm not going to participate this time, which is fine. If it doesn't go, it doesn't go. It doesn't give me a reason to buy. So then you drill it down. So again, we're above the 20, uh, I'm sorry, the 10 week, the 40 week. They're both rising. That's the definition of an uptrend, uh, higher highs and higher longer term. So I know there's strong institutional support here. I don't need to go look and see what it is, but I'm sure it's it's a strong number and that they've been buying because otherwise the chart just wouldn't look like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so down to the daily time frame again, what are the earnings do here? It doesn't even uh, say oh, they, they reported. It looks like they reported like a month uh, ago. Yeah. yeah, September. So, right. So they're more than two months away. So they broke that 167. There, we saw a big volume pop a week and a half ago. It's holding a nice tight consolidation here. You call it a flag, call it a pennant, whatever you want. Um, on the shorter term time frame, same look as uh, OKTA that we saw. You know, the proper place to have purchased it was probably about 170 on Monday. Mm-hmm. And now it's starting to pull back a little bit. It didn't go as high as OKTA, meaning it didn't make that higher high before it failed. So maybe this one's in need of a little bit more time. And what would really be nice to see would be a, a nice shakeout below the low of last Friday. So mm-hmm. get a shakeout below there, run some stops. And if it could recover quickly and then digest for a gain up in that 170 area, that would make me like it even more. And that's something that I've noticed a lot more lately is that prior to the stocks making the real run, even more so than late than you know any time in the last year or so that they're it's really common for them to get that shakeout first that strong shake below that that low of let's say, what is that about 167 from last friday mm-hmm. you know maybe just run some stops down to 166 and a half get some uneducated short sellers in there to say hey it's over um or maybe or, you know but the bottom line is i i might call them uneducated I would only call them uneducated if it recovers because if it breaks below there, I'm not going to buy it just thinking that, Hey, this is a shakeout. I need proof. It's a shakeout. Right. In other words, it has to recover, turn sideways and give me a nice higher low to protect myself against if I'm going to buy it. So, I mean, if it breaks that level, who knows, maybe it drops down to 150 because a lot of things are failing in this market. Mm -hmm. So one final question here, Um, you know, Palo Alto, you know, same group, yep. um, you know, the weekly chart on this looks very different from the three that you gave yeah, us, you know, it does. Uh, Palo Alto, you know, doesn't have that big overhead supply from, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, what, 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 how do you, how do you view this one differently? Well, this one's truly, unfortunately, the way I look at stocks is this is, this is the leader for sure. But I look at it and say, I'm late. I, you know, mm-hmm. they're, it, it didn't have that correction, which I, I like to see the correction because then I know my levels a little bit better. Um, in this one, you know, we saw that really nice shakeout there actually in uh, January on that weekly chart before it made its major run. I look at it and say, I'm probably late to it. I'm looking at the weekly chart, but on the daily time frame, you could probably make a case that, uh, you know, that was that a cup and handle right there that we just broke above 250 and the cup is actually an inverted cup uh, head and shoulders pattern. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, holding above 250, it looks like this stock should be able to continue to run. But I kind of feel like I missed it. I'd like to see it pull back to that 250 level and then maybe start to recover, you know, three to four days later and then be ready for the next upswing. Very good. Well, Brian, again, uh, I know it almost sounded like I was uh, sending you off on the last segment, but now we're really sending you off. And uh, again, really appreciate you coming on, sharing your sharing your knowledge. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, so where can people learn uh, a little bit more? Uh, I'm, I'm sure alphatrends.net. And yep. what is your uh, X handle or Twitter? Uh, yeah, X, known as Twitter? Um, it's just at alphatrends, A-L-P-H-A-T-R-E-N-D-S. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And uh, yeah, so definitely take a look at it. And again, uh, great, great books that you have. So that's another thing that people can use for some further knowledge. So uh, again, appreciate you coming, Brian. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Great, great talking to you guys always. 
Okay. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us for this show. Uh, join us next week. It's probably going to be Arusha and I just on our own doing a little wee time, but we're talking about maybe having some surprise guests. So uh, we're going to talk about that right after we finish taping here. But until then, we'll see you next time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.